see a new movie this weekend with my lovely wife. Oh, yeah? Allison Rebecca Burnett. Nice. And right before the movie started, we saw a trailer for Jurassic World Dominion. Not a new trailer, the same one. And a little bit of me died. And I texted you. Does it die every time you watch that trailer? I I try not to pay attention because I know I'm going to see the movie. Right. Out of my deep commitment to nostalgia and to the Jurassic Park franchise. Mm -hmm. And the tattoo on my arm. (laughs) But it's now in the hands of someone that I just do not trust. God. Yeah. God in in the form of Colin Trevorrow. And uh, (laughs) I texted you and I said, I think Jurassic Park is my halo. For you. I'm so sorry. You've built the bridge of empathy with that single sentence. Yeah, because your feelings about the Halo TV show that's coming out right now. Oh, yeah. Have we mentioned? It's Mm. been three weeks. I don't think I've I've said anything at all on the cast. We haven't talked about it yet. But I thought some people, some fans of Halo have been saying it's good. And you're a fan of Halo saying it's not good. Those are bots, Steve. Oh, okay. Russian bots. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there's no living person that's enjoying that show. Oh. I'm just kidding. Maybe someone is, and to them I would say, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm happy for you. But I don't I don't get it. It's not for me, I think. Yeah, how you feel about... It's, as a Halo fan, it's not for me. <laughs> as a fan of Halo, Halo is not for me. Similarly for you, as a fan of good cinema and dinosaurs... And the Jurassic Park franchise the original trilogy uh jurassic world what's it called dominion is probably or jurassic world trilogy for you yeah that's such a shame makes me feel like yeah like it took something that i love and dragged it through the mud and there's a lot of reasons why and we'll talk about that on the jurassic world dominion podcast coming out later this year maybe as well as we'll talk about halo on the on the inevitable halo podcast It'll be like a, a Matrix Resurrections all over It'll again. It'll be a funeral. <laughs> It'll be a dirge. I'm going to sing in low... B- Gabe's building a mausoleum. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, how do you hold back tears when you talk about the death of a loved one? That's what it'll be like for me. As you just anyway. said right before we started this podcast, it hurts to love something this much. <laughs> Yeah, but I was talking about things that are good. It hurts to love good things. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jurassic it's... Park is good. It's one of the best things. And the original Halo game, maybe the sequel, are also really good. But The original trilogy. And, and here we are. <laughs> 20 years later, they're like, we got Sam Neill and Laura Dern and... We got all your favorite... Jeff Goldblum. And it's like, yeah, but they're all po- super poorly directed. Mm-hmm. One thing that's always been synonymous with Spielberg's name is magic. Yep. And the way that he can frame a shot, there's just like a a raw energy and a, a magic, like a majesty behind each image. And that is like sucked out of the images of the new Jurassic World content that I've seen. Every, every single frame is like an insult to Spielberg's name. Is he associated as a producer? Yeah, he's okay. producing it. Cuz what's funny about this <clears throat> connection or this uh, comparison is that Spielberg has been tied to the Halo project since its inception 15 years Whoa. ago. And I read something that said he directly oversaw the making of the show. And I don't believe them when they say yeah. that. 
Because like you said, the magic isn't there. Or maybe it's like I it's like I don't believe you when you say John Favreau wrote every episode of the Book of Boba Fett. When yeah. he, it's like this was created by John Favreau. How can he create the Mandalorian and direct some of the better episodes of the Mandalorian and then write all seven episodes of the Book of Boba Fett? Mm-hmm. It makes zero sense. The magic of the writer's room, I suppose. I don't think so. No? Mm-hmm. You think it was just straight up a lie? Mm. <laughs> Who lied to us, mm. Stephen? <laughs> Was it Kathleen? Did she lie? I would love to ask John. John, did you write every line of dialogue for the book of Boba Fett? <laughs> it's a yes or no question. <laughs> He's just nervously laughing. <laughs> well, my friend Robert got involved. We were having some pizzas <laughs> we- at his house on the show The Chef for Netflix. I got blackout drunk and wrote Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> And then wrote Halo. <laughs> yeah. And then put Colin Trevorrow in charge of We took Colin Trevorrow off of episode nine and put him in this movie. Anyway, we were there to see... This is a great segue. The newest Harry Potter franchise IP film in the new Wizarding World, the expanding, ever-enlargening Wizarding World. Enlargening. Yeah. <laughs> called... <laughs> These movies are called The Fantastic Beasts uh, and Where to Find Them. This one was called The Fantastic Beasts and The Secrets of Dumbledore. And <laughs> and we, I, we, I, I saw it with Ali. Gabe, you did not see this movie because... I haven't watched it yet. You refused. It's not that I refused. I just well, haven't made the time. Man, there's a refusal in there somewhere. The property of the wizarding world, the intellectual property doesn't mean as much to me as it does to you. I know it's very important to you. One day it'll be important to you. What does that mean? <laughs> what are you saying? I think you know what I mean. I think at least specifically everything that I'm going to force you to read the books. Oh really? And you're going to be, you're going to be like, where, what? I was so wrong. Well, that's I, was what I was so wrong before. That's what I was going to say next is that I, I do love the original films. Like everything that uh, was adapted from a novel. And I think Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which was the first in this new series of films, was a book, right? Uh, it's a, well. And then from there. It's, it's, it's a little bit difficult to explain. Right. The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was a book written by J.K. Rowling, sort of in the character of Newt Scamander. And she wrote it to be like one of the textbooks in the Harry Potter world. So you flip through it and all, all it is is a description of like, like animal for animal going a through Z, like the, the different fantastic beasts that exist in the Harry Potter wizarding world. Right. And this, the plot and everything from the films is all canonically coming from JK Rowling herself, but not story wise, not from novels, not from novels, but, but the novels all start with her brain and the ever-expanding brain yeah. of J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, through this entire process, particularly with the newer films, has been the single most powerful creative force behind the story. And she, I think, is credited as a screenwriter, right, for these newer films, which she wasn't on the original eight or seven. Correct. Or yeah. Because I think she is actually she she does actually have a hand in the writing process of these scripts for the movies. Because the like you said, the books don't exist. Right. I think if is the story. It was also written by Steve Cloves, who uh-huh. who has written a lot of the Harry Potter films in the past. But yeah, I think I think honestly, these these movies would have been a lot more successful if she had written them into books first. 
literary works. But yeah. but because they weren't, people are going into these movies thinking, like, what is it? Like, it's really difficult for them to understand what, what it is. is. The identity, yeah, and of the identity of it. And I think I feel like they do have an identity, which we'll get into a little bit later in the podcast. And that's that's kind of the main, <laughs> my main thing in, in talking about these movies is like I feel like I'm an outsider or someone who's got another unpopular opinion. <laughs> Because you like them and most people don't. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't just like them. I love these movies. You love these movies. I love them. Yeah. I think they're amazing. Like every single one. <laughs> every one. You love each one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do. Now remind me, David Yates directs these films, right? Yeah. He's directed every film since or after Goblet of Fire. So starting with Order of the Phoenix, mm-hmm. he directed A Half-Blood Prince Deathly Hollows Part 1 and 2, and then now the three Fantastic Beasts films. So that's, in total, seven Wizarding World Harry Potter films. That's a lot of wizarding for one guy. That's David Yates. Um, To be honest, I'm not mad about it. I question sometimes if the series could expand further with a different director in hand. Absolutely. Well, I mean, what we've seen with the first four Harry Potter films is that different take that different kind of style that each director mm-hmm. brings to the property. And each, I think most people refer to uh, Quaran's as their favorite film, right? Which is... Uh, Alfonso Quaran's. He, he directed Azkaban. Yeah. It's crazy that I'm just now realizing this. This is the first time we're talking about Harry Potter on this podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, I know so much about this. I barely have to look up anything. <laughs> Christopher Columbus directed the first two. Mm-hmm. Then Alfonso Cuaron directed uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Then Mike Newell directed Goblet of Fire. And then David Yates has directed everything since. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And David Yates, he, to me, if we're talking about the first original eight Harry Potter films, he's like the culmination, almost like the best parts of all the four directors that came before him. He's got like the grit of Mike Newell. Mike Newell kind of was known for being like a very sort of bombastic director when he came on he was raised in like the classic kind of uh, schooling with like disciplinary action like like being slapped on the wrist for doing something wrong that kind of thing you mean like on set uh no 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 but he brought that oh. energy to like if you remember in Goblet of Fire Snape goes around like whapping whapping them oh. with like a book it's because that's how Mike Newell went to school I see and uh Interesting. He brought he brought a lot of like really interesting choices. I think performance wise into that movie. Like the most famous one is like when Dumbledore comes in screaming at Harry and grabbing him and like, did you put your name on the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah, that was like people a, didn't like that. That was a Mike much. Newell. Yeah. So so David Yates has that grit of Mike Newell. He has the the raw like I would call it the nuance that. Alfonso Cuaron brought to the third film. There were so many little tiny choices that that filled out the world that really made it feel expansive. That was the movie that made me interested in Harry Potter was mm-hmm. that original Alfonso Cuaron film. I was blown away. It felt like because of like the little tiny scene transitions, you'd see like like something happen, like random, like a like just the background character, something would happen to the background character, the poster would move. There were all these little tiny nuances and choices that he would make to just really fill out the world. So David Yates has that as well. And then he has the magic that Christopher Columbus 
brought to the first two films. But then he has his own thing where he adds this kind of like, uh, he makes things a lot more adult and like darkens sort of the tone of the, of the Harry Potter franchise, both literally and figuratively. And, yeah. Both, <laughs> both literally. Yeah. Because of the, the, uh, muted color palette, but also because of the fact that we're dealing with adults now. And so now with the fantastic beast films, I think people's biggest overall complaint is that David Yates doesn't have that, like, that like zesty magic of capturing like what it means to be like, be like a, like a juvenile or a youth and experiencing the magic of, of what it means to be young. The Spielbergian magic. That's that's kind of lost on these films. Not for me. I, I still feel those things because everything that we're introduced to in the fantastic beast films are all new to the wizarding world. I still feel those elements of magic as an adult, like via these films through these films. But I think for a lot of people, we're like, you know, they want to go back to Hogwarts. So constantly just they back back to Hogwarts again, which is why in the second film in The Crimes of Grindelwald, we had that Hogwarts scene, you know, with the, the Bogart and or Bogart. And uh, and then in this one, it takes significantly more in place at, at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. So and Hogsmeade. So, yeah, I think David Yates is honestly like he's got he's got it like in my opinion he's a very prolific proficient just knowledgeable director who like can really bring this amazing element of capturing like he's so good at like creating a feeling and a tone and that's why i love these movies so much because i think that tone i just really love that that like david yates tone that he brings to these films because it's like i said it's the best of all those things anyway yeah and then it's produced by David Heyman as well, which is, I mean, there's a lot of producers on this, on these films, but da- but David Heyman has been there since the first Harry Potter film. Oh. So there's that element of continuity that I really enjoy. Um, he's, he's one of the bigger names, one of the bigger producers because of the success of their Harry Potter films. And then, so to talk about the cast of this film a little bit, uh, we have Eddie Redmayne reprising his role of Newt's commander. Uh, Ezra Miller reprising his role as Credence. We find out as a Dumbledore. Spoilers. There'll be a lot of spoilers. Is that in this Dumbledore's podcast. secret? One of them. <laughs> we have Dan Fogler, uh, who I love, and he's Jacob Kowalski. We have Allison Sudol as Queenie Goldstein. Catherine Waterston briefly comes back in this film as Tina Goldstein. Mads Mikkelsen replaced Johnny Depp as Gellert Grindelwald. I think it was a really smart choice. Uh, and let me see. Oh, and then we have Jude Law as a young Albus Dumbledore. And I should also say Richard Coyle was Aberforth, who's Dumbledore's brother, who we're introduced to in the seventh book or the last couple movies. Aberforth, Dumbledore. He works. At Hog- he owns a pub in Hogsmeade, which is the town right outside of uh, Hogwarts. And then, uh, then we had Callum Turner as Theseus Scamander. That's Newt's brother. Jessica Williams has a pretty prominent role as uh, Professor Hicks. She's kind of like the new sort of love interest lead that kind of replaced Tina, sort of. Uh, William Natalum Nad- as Yusuf Kama. He's Zoe Kravitz's brother in this film. And then we have Victoria Yates as Bunty Brodicker. Bunty Brodicker. Who is like Newt Scamander's kind of like helper. She plays a pretty significant role in this. Anyway. Did you say Catherine Watterson was in this film? Briefly. Like she showed up? 
and yeah. had a reason for not yeah. showing up more. Yeah. So I liked her. This film is a little bit difficult to explain <laughs> because without spoiling it. But yeah, this film is called Secrets of Dumbledore, and it takes place almost exactly where the last one left off, which was Grindelwald rose to power, took Queenie with him, who was Jacob's kind of. He manipulated her and, into thinking that he was correct. And I actually really liked that performance of, of Johnny Depp, I should say. I really liked him as Grindelwald. I didn't like his look. I feel like it was really difficult for me to believe that, and, and this is again spoilers, but him and Dumbledore ha, like are in love. So the, this, this one opens up with Grindelwald kills a bunch of people in, in France. That, that happened in the last movie. This opens up with Mads Mikkelsen and, and Jude Law meeting. Uh, having a cup of tea and there's like just so much palpable tension and Dumbledore admits to being in love with him. And they made this vow when they were young that they would kind of take over the world together (laughs) regardless of what happened. Even if one person fell off, like the other person would finish the work. And they made this, this blood vow kind of like an unbreakable vow, which is the Harry Potter thing that they explain in the seventh book. But uh, that's why Dumbledore can't, like attack Grindelwald because if he does it like will essentially kill him. So he tries to get a team of people together to move on Grindelwald. And that consists of, like I said, the Zoe, Zoe Kravitz's brother, the Hicks girl is a, he's an American professor, which Jacob Kowalski who's the muggle, uh, best friend guy, Newt, his brother and, Newt's assistant that I was describing. Why do they need Jacob? Well, they talk about that a lot, actually, in the film. Dumbledore, at first, Jacob doesn't understand why. And then Dumbledore says many, many times, like, the reason you're here is because I would take you over, you know, hundreds and dozens of other people, regardless of whether they had magical powers, because you're you're like a man that's essentially pure of heart. Right. He's like, I'd, I'd rather have you fighting on my side than, you know, thousands of other people. And and Dumbledore reiterates that fact, like, multiple times. Does he become magic sensitive because of the no. wand? The wand is able to be wielded by a muggle that Dumbledore the wand, The wand actually never did anything in the movie. Really? Yeah. In the trailer, it looks like he's using magic. I think it was bewitched. They didn't explain. So this is, this is why I think J.K. Rowling would have a better time writing the book and then and then doing the movie because a lot of things are like wait what's happening here like there's something really magical that is something i've heard as criticism is that jk as a screenwriter doesn't have the ability to go into the depths that sometimes in the movie especially at the end regarding the resolution of whatever that vow was between dumbledore and grindelwald that yeah it's kind of chalked up to i don't know yeah just yes yes but in the book she probably would have explained it yeah and that happens in the harry potter films as well mm-hmm but because everyone read the books, they're like, oh, I know exactly what happened there. Right. But in these movies, you're like, wait, something magical happened. I don't really understand what happened. JK could probably explain it, but we don't have that explanation because we don't have the book. So I think the wand was just there so that Kowalski thought he could do something with it, mm-hmm. but he never actually did anything with it. And then it was like bewitched by the Hicks professor at a certain point. And it's actually kind of a, a funny point in the film because Grindelwald thinks that he tried to attack him <laughs> and then he like gets in the papers as this muggle attacker tried to tried to assassinate Grindelwald oh no it's pretty funny so while all this stuff is happening their whole plan of attack 
with that whole team that Dumbledore comprised is that nobody can know everything and that everyone is doing different things because they're trying to throw off Grindelwald because Grindelwald has this ability to see in the future. Oh, um, like predict what might happen. So, so Dumbledore has everyone doing different things and not knowing what the other person's doing. And so then Grindelwald's whole thing is he, his name gets cleared of all the crimes of Grindelwald from the previous <laughs> film. And he starts running for like a minister of magic in the Germany ministry, ministry of magic. Is he doing like a wizard Hitler thing here? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And he, be, he bewitches this magical creature that can sense whether a person's pure of heart, that's kind of a running, that's kind of the, the plot throughout this whole film that Newt finds this creature. And is that the bird thing, the killing or the chilling? Yeah. The chilling. It's, he, it's not, it's not a bird. It's, it's like a scaly horse. Oh, um, with antlers and it'd be chilling. Yeah. It's chilling. <laughs> Newt tries to find one. They're very rare and they're like the, the most pure beings, I guess pure creatures in the wizarding world. So this is where the fantastic beasts come into play. Yes. Well, there's a lot of beasts throughout the film, actually. Oh, there's just like one scene. that's like a crazy scorpion crab thing, like a big, like a massive. And he like, is like kill. He's at killing people. Like it's nuts. Uh, but then, so Grindelwald bewitches this creature thinking that, uh, cause the way that they decide who gets to be the next ministry of magic is by like historically going, dating back centuries, having one of these pure creatures bow before a person that's pure of heart. And they, and you know, essentially elects that person to be a leader. So he bewitches this creature to bow before him. And, and he does, and he gets elected for a brief moment. Then Newt comes out with like a, gotcha i have like another one uh-huh. and and he's like that one's dead and then it dies what <laughs> and then he brings out the real one and then it bows before a different woman um but before that it bows before dumbledore as like kind of saying that like dumbledore is pure of heart but before that that's like literally the end of the story the other grindelwald gets away queenie and ezra miller come back um to the light side because we find out that ezra miller's character credence who is a Dumbledore is actually the, the son of Dumbledore's brother, Aberforth. Oh, so he's actually Dumbledore's nephew, which we knew, we knew that he was a Dumbledore from the very last scene of the, the previous film. How, how does Aberforth not know about, he did know about him. It was, that was also kind of unclear. <laughs> Aberforth is like a really disgruntled individual, like kind of seemingly like he doesn't really know how to be a father kind of thing. It's a curmudgeon. But before, yeah, so before all the, the climax of the film, they re, they gather back at Hogwarts and Hogsmeade and Dumbledore kind of discloses certain plot elements to certain people. And so you as the viewer get to learn a, a bunch of stuff that you may have been wondering about Dumbledore that you didn't get in, in book seven of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which is when we did get a lot of those secrets. We got a, a lot of a lot more answers in this film. Um, like what actually happens to his sister who, who died at a, early, a young age. Did they change any of that for the new content for the new films? Like the story has been JK claims that it's always been there, but she just has never written it down. Gotcha. So they change is really just asking to JK rolling, make it up now or then. <laughs> yeah. And I think in her mind, she, she kind of has always had this master plan 
you know, she just hasn't always like written all these facts down for, you know, the fans to read or know. So we find out those secrets about Dumbledore. Um, we find out about him being in love with Grindelwald, the unbreakable vow, blood bond thing. We find out about a little bit more about his family and his backstory with his brother, but like also for the, the plot and the story of the film, how the story plays out because of like the Grindelwald knowing the future thing and everybody not really knowing what they're doing or who can know what, as they're all trying to throw him off. There's a bunch of secrets that were all kind of mastermind by Dumbledore as well. So it's, it's both we're learning secrets about his past and who he was as a person, but we're also learning, you know, these secrets of the events that are unfolding through the eyes of all the characters as Mm -hmm. they're living them out. So yeah, those are the secrets that you learn. And then the interesting thing about this movie is I think because of the like variegated success of the past couple films and the unknown success of how this film will do, they kind of tied things up a little bit toward the end of this film. And I thought that that was really interesting. Is Grindelwald still at large? Yeah. So he gets away, mm-hmm. but like I said, Credence and Queenie are both now back. Okay. They end the film with Queenie and Jacob getting married oh. in his little shop in the early 20th century, uh, New York. Like in, he has like a little, uh, bakery mm-hmm. and it's like snowing. It's really pretty. That's, that's, that's something else is like every single freaking frame and the cinematography in this film is just so beautiful. I can't, I, it's hard for me to say cinematography cause I know so much of it's CGI, but like the <laughs> still counts, the sets and the, the production design are just top, top notch the visual effects. It's so hard for me to call this movie bad because of that, mm-hmm. because it just looks and feels so like beautiful and magical enchanting and innovative and enchanting. It's so I'm like, how can people call these movies bad? And that's kind of the one thing I want to hammer home. It's usually like, the story that people criticize here, I think, for these films. But but the story is not bad either. And that's why I feel like, once again, like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> and I think people just love to hate on it because they love to hate on it because it's not what it was. You know, it's not the, it's not Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, it's not f-ing Harry Potter. <laughs> it's something entirely different. What would you say to the fans who are torn... Because this series has essentially been split between where it started, which is the Fantastic Beast stuff, versus the Grindelwald arc that it has become. Like, a lot of people just want the... And it's strange for me to hear this, because a lot of the... I, I like the darker stuff, too. But a lot of people want that more magical Spielbergian stuff that you mentioned, mm-hmm. which is what Fantastic Beast was in the beginning, with Newt just on his adventures. See, I disagree with that. And then it became the Grindelwald show. Uh, what's your question? Like, what would you say to the fans who are torn between those two identities of the series who just want to go back? You know, how do we get back? I think one of the most difficult truths about life, which also, if you're able to see it, is one of the most beautiful truths about life, is that you can never go back. Mm. And if you can look at that as an opportunity to move forward and accept the thing that's in front of you, I think these films actually have something equally as enchanting, but just in a different way. That's what I would say. I see. That's lovely. I like that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, 
Because I know I think they want to make more, right? They want. Yeah, finish. this was originally supposed to be five films, right. and that's what I was gonna say is that like it seemed like they were buttoning up the end of this, and and just in case they could easily just call it here and and have Grindelwald because we all know what happens. We know that at some point Dumbledore fights Grindelwald. He gets the rights to the Elder Wand, and then that's when we find Dumbledore in the Harry Potter series, right? Grindelwald is incarcerated, you said? Yeah, and then eventually killed. During the events of Harry Potter? I don't remember. But we know what happens. So we know that he's no longer at large. He does escape. Mm-hmm. He has a cool little battle with uh, Dumbledore at the end, by the way. is that That's where the The vow breaks. breaks. Yeah, the, the blood bond breaks. And then they're like, he's like, why? And he's like, Dumbledore's like, I think something really cool happened. And then you're just like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean it was cool? Something special, I think he said. Um, It sounds like they would have made a wonderful book. (laughs) I, to be, I I hope JK honestly writes these into books at some point. If she did that, I think people would be like, wow, we were so wrong about those movies. Mm. Seriously. But yeah. And so. So it ends in a place where Grindelwald's still at large, but he's not, he is, he, at this point he hasn't swayed anyone anymore. He lost all of his followers oh. and Dumbledore's like, yeah, I'm going to get you. So wherever they pick up next, if they did do another film, it'll essentially be like the hunting and tracking down of Grindelwald and the, the, the final culmination of all that. Shit. But they ended in like, they ended it in such a beautiful way that it could end here as a trilogy of films. And I see, I really liked it. I, and and I, as I was watching it, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm so enchanted by this. Like, I'm so bewitched by these films. And I kept thinking of, like, magical terms because that's what I was feeling while watching it. I was I was feeling, like, magic and, and enchantment and adoration. And, and, I, and you know, it's, it's funny because, like, ironically, they're all witching terms or like <laughs> magical terms. you were bewitched and i but that's the point of these movies is like to feel that way and so i just have i have a really hard time when people n- like say these films are bad like i i have ke- i keep reading all these reviews are like yeah the first one was good the second one was okay this one was bad and i'm like what are you talking about this is like so far from bad you want to see a bad movie morbius morbius <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly Carnage. This is actually one of the, if I think it's the best Fantastic Beasts films, but like it call me crazy. That's why I asked you, I texted you, I was like, please go see this movie. So you can either confirm that I'm crazy <laughs> or you can, or you can agree with me and like, let me know I'm not crazy because I feel crazy. I, I don't know. I think people just expect, because I, I think most of the people that are most critical of it are the diehard fans, which you are one of. So I think people just would expect different things. They want different things. Yeah, I and I I can't even talk to the diehard fans, honestly, because they're I don't know what they want. I don't know what they want. And like so where I stand now and the question that I the um hypothetical question I keep asking myself and just the universe is like it like I must be insane and like the critics are I I think you're just it, it. like how can you how can you watch this film <laughs> And not like be super enchanted by it. I, sh- I should say Allie really loved it too. I think if I may be so bold as to posit a theory, I think, I think you're just more willing to give yourself to the enchantment and just not, because this is what we've, th- we've kind of thrown around before is our, 
well, particularly your approach to filmmaking, is there are things that you watch for the enchantment and then things you watch for the critical quality, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, because we've seen this before, whether it's Star Wars, which we had that crazy long episode about where we were going back and forth on Skywalker. Yeah, where you were wrong. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Or, for instance, we've talked in in the past, maybe not on the cast, about like uh, the Hobbit movies. Yeah. These are series that are about enchantment and you're willing to you're willing to give yourself over to that and just enjoy the experience. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people and I would probably lump myself into this second crowd for the for the most in in a lot of ways is that they want the enchantment but they also want everything to try to try to also reach for that level of cleverness I think in writing and and um this level of quality that is achieved by those more uh, like the films that are generally agreed to be good objectively you know like like really well written as not just individual films but as an overarching story which i think is why there's a lot of dissonant qualities in the uh the new harry potter films because jk rowling maybe she didn't have all that uh space to flesh out her stories in the novels and so I don't know. I can't pin it down exactly. I haven't seen the new film. Like I said, I ha- I don't even really remember the other ones because they didn't leave that indelible impression on me. So I can't say for certain yet. I just think that's that's maybe where your crazy feeling comes from. Is that can I can I ask another question then? Because like it feels like the people. It's hard to please. But sometimes. no, I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's so strange to me that people. Like what, go into these big blockbuster films and are like, I'm going to be hypercritical of these films. Yeah. But <laughs> when it comes to like a super thought provoking existential auteur artistic film, they're like, they're like, what? <laughs> and so it's like, what do you want? Like, I don't, you know, do you I don't want think... something extremely smart, intelligent, like, you know, everything everywhere all at once, which is like a film you can criticize and feel and you know deep down in your bones is good, like it, you know that it's a good film regardless of whether you even like that movie, or or you go into like a big ass $200 million blockbuster film and you go, and the story wasn't good, but like, did you, <laughs> but did you watch it? Like, did you feel it? It's yeah. like, it's like, and I hate to say this, but like the, 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 the worst example or the best example simultaneously are like the Fast and the Furious films. Like, did you go into a movie, go into one of those movies, like thinking like, this is going to be... This is going to be like a super intelligently written like story where it's going to play out, you know, and, and and lead me somewhere that's going to like make me realize that these are written by like intelligent thinking, critically thinking people. No, you go into those movies thinking I'm going to have a fun time. I'm going to feel the fuck out of this movie. I'm going <laughs> to feel it. And that's what yeah. movies are about. Like at, at the end of the day is like getting across a feeling and like. I just feel like people are way too critical. It's those established franchises, I think, where you see that the most. Like, everyone acknowledges Fast and the Furious has never been, you know, like an objective standard of quality in any respect. Whereas (laughs) some of these other films have been, and they've been so iconic and influential, like the original Harry Potters, like the original Star Wars films, you know. Especially, like, those entrenched IPs that are, like, so... And like I said earlier, the diehard fans are the most critical. Whereas you get those little movies, the original IPs, like Everything Everywhere, where they can come out and do whatever they want because they have nothing. Like they're starting from ground zero with fan. There's no community of people that are like 
sitting there ready to be hurt by their, you know, the new content for their favorite thing. I think when I've always thought of popular things, I think they're popular because a majority of people can get behind them, right? Yeah. Just track with me for a second. So if a majority of people can get behind anything, like Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings books or Star Wars or something, that usually means that it's both for smart and stupid people. Yeah. So, so follow me here. Or at least it began there, but I see what you're saying. So like I've always gone into Star Wars, always gone into Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter going, this is, it's, there's, there's intelligence there for people that are intelligent. And then there's the brainless there for people that are brainless. (laughs) So like, but like ultimately there is the element of brainless. Therefore Mm -hmm. it isn't as intelligent as it could be. Correct. It's both and, and therefore, like when I go into any kind of blockbuster film where it's like there's mega bucks because the production studio knows it's going to make money because it's there for intelligent thinking and brainless people that it's, it's going to have an element of brainlessness to it. It just is, you know, how how else have there been six transformers films? (laughs) That's a good point. And then I'm just saying like. So when I go into a Fantastic Beast movie, knowing that Warner Brothers put $200 million into the budget of the, for the production of this film, it's like, what do you want like from it? Like other than, cause you, you know that even the Harry Potter films, it, it has both and it's well-written and you know that because the books came out before the movies, but like, can we just trust that JK like maybe knows what she's doing? Like these movies are still fun. They're still entertaining. They look good. They they're acted. They have amazing actors. Like Jude Law is incredible in this film. We got Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen is the best incarnation of Grindelwald <laughs> we've had of the and <laughs> Eddie Red, Eddie Redmayne is like doing his whole like you know quirky Stephen Grant Oscar Isaac thing antisocial mm. person who's just like so good at that. I don't know. It's just it just blows me away that and I think I've I think I've gone into every IP that anything that makes money for a studio like that, that large amount of money, knowing that like, it's not going, this isn't an auteur artistic film. And like, it just blows my mind how people just, just pull those things apart and just like, eh. yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just like, well, come on. Like, <laughs> what did you think it was going to be? You think we're going to go watch the lighthouse right now? We're going to watch the new fantastic beast film, you know? Yeah. Can, of- can we judge it for that? Like, can we judge it for its own category of being in the intelligent but also brainless blockbuster big budget category? Because that's what it is. If you judge everything by like one standard, you're it, everything's going to fall short. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. There's some there's some wisdom, <laughs> and that's why that's why it upsets me so much that people like. I, I read one review that was like, you could tell the. <laughs> The actors didn't even want to be there. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) The actors all did amazing jobs. Like they were all so good in their respective roles. Like no, no way are you sitting there watching it going, ah, it looks like Eddie Redmayne doesn't even want to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? It blew. I don't know, dude. I, I'm at a loss. Yeah, I, I wouldn't fixate on it if I were you. Just, I fixate yeah. on these things hard because <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm actually crazy. Like, maybe I'm just like one of the only optimists that I know. That's certainly possible. I'm, and I don't even consider myself that optimistic, but like, I really do try to look at the bright side of 
a lot of things, but like at least with your blockbusters, which is good. You know, I think it's better to live life that way. Cause at least then I can enjoy things. Yeah, for R- sure. Rather than, you know how easy it is to criticize and pull things apart. It's very easy as a, as opposed <laughs> to like, I mean, to quote Dumbledore, like do what is right rather than what is easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wow. easier to say the word than to actually explain my feelings. Well, we'll see how they how these films age, you know, in 10, 20 years, where the Harry Potter franchise will go, because hopefully it's not dead. I really hope to see another one. I really do. I love these movies. Yeah, they're magic. I'm really excited for Hogwarts Legacy. The game looks yeah. really good, real good. I know you're like, it's a... I'm... I'm what, are they, what's the, what are they called? The, fi- the five-star... What are they called? Uh, like AAA? AAA. Yeah. Triple A game. Yeah. I've I'm, been let down before. Listen, I'm one of those people that's been hurt before. I know. That's what I'm saying about movies. Like, <laughs> it's like, I know what goes on. I know what transpires. Yeah. Can we just enjoy ourselves <laughs> while we're here on planet earth? That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I was talking about the Jurassic world films and I was like, it feels like we're living not on earth prime, but like in an alternate parallel universe where everything's just slightly worse, like <laughs> like Earth sixty seven, you know, like yeah. where where like there's a there's a <laughs> there's a parallel universe out there in the multiverse where Jurassic World films are directed by maybe Steven Spielberg himself, mm-hmm. and here here it's just everything is just slightly worse, and everyone's critical of everything all the time, and it is so especially in in the westernized culture like the countries that we live in the westernized countries it's just like give it a f-ing rest man like you must be like an angry <laughs> person like all these critics all like there's 40 percent. i think it, it has like 58 60 percent around tomatoes 40 percent. even some of the good ones were like yeah it's it's good but it's not like great like they just mis- must be like miserable people in their daily lives you know well to be fair, we started off this cast being pretty critical of some uh, some of our favorite things. Oh, it's because it's because they're done by brainless people. Well, that's the argument that these people are making. Yeah, this isn't brainless though, and well, I think that's clear. But what I'm saying is, in the Jurassic World films, I we I'll take you I'll take you shot by shot through the <laughs> the three or five minute trailer that they released, and I'll explain to you why that's brainless. This is actually not brainless, mm-hmm. and and I think it's really self evident. And it's one of those weird enigmatic things. I'm like, it's not, again, there's brainless aspects, but it's also really intelligent at times. Jurassic World, it's like. Not inspired by its like original magic. That's, that's the biggest tragedy. (laughs) Because you're still in that, I, yeah, you're still in that, that place. You can use those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like, you're, you're having these characters who in character in the original Jurassic Park film would have said something comprehensive Mm -hmm. and in in the in the new trailers they're just like it's almost like it's like a it's like it's like a computer wrote the dialogue simile yeah Yeah. a pale imitation again we're we're in earth 67 it's not it's not real we're living in a simulation i love the way that uh my name is elon musk they do a line about that and everything everywhere where it's like your clothes never wear the same like the next day everything is off just a little yeah just how how can we go back yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah well I'm glad you enjoyed it, Stephen. And I I guarantee... I just want to meet other people that enjoyed this movie, like, a lot. <laughs> but I want to meet a lot of them. <laughs> and be like, can we all just get together and be happy together? Hang out? 
can we stop killing each other and taking over Ukraine, please? <laughs> we need to send Dumbledore over there. Dumbledore is the true king. He's like Mufasa. Yeah. The chillin' bowed before Dumbledore. Is the, they just... It was hot. Not acknowledge that. Super huh? hot. Dumbledore should be our Ministry of Magic guy, our prime guy. <sighs> yeah. Just be kind, you know? Rewind. <laughs> really, though, Halo's pretty bad. <laughs> to, to bring it back. I, some, it's a mixed bag. Ultimately, amidst all the ass, is there so anything? Many ass is cheeks, there, Steven. Is there, we is got there, master cheeks up in here. Is there anything? Did you see the the image I sent you? Yeah. What what fans wanted? What fans got? Master cheeks. Is there anything good about the last couple episodes? I heard Cortana is no, voiced I, by the original. Like I said, there are moments of enjoyable uh, television for me. I heard Cortana's voice by the original she is. voice actress. Yeah, is that, she is. Is that cool? It is cool to hear her voice, but it's a, you know, it's uh, it's different. Uh, the character is different, and that's fine. You know, I to the person enjoying the Halo show, and to all these other things that we mentioned, we're happy for you. That's where <laughs> we're at. It's hard to please everybody. We admit that. You know, our favorite things are often not everyone else's favorite things, and that's fine. Uh, we're out here looking to... Well, I think I just watched a clip of Donald Glover saying something about uh, looking, you know, trying to please everyone or something, mm-hmm. you know, with the art you create. Mm-hmm. Or not even calling it art, just content. Because mm-hmm. content is like an interesting word we've come to redefine in the last five to ten years of the online age. And uh, that's a hard... It's hard to please everyone. And so I don't I don't want to fault somebody for trying or for following their own heart. I'm just out here looking to uh, find the things that I enjoy, same as anyone else. So if this isn't it, I'm going to try to move past it. I'm going to finish the show. Uh, are we going to do a podcast on it? We're going to do a podcast on it. Yeah. We are doing a podcast. I plan on watching it before we do that. I'm going to have a lot to say. <laughs> we should get. We should have like a glass of whiskey or a couple of beers. Oh, Yeah. We won't be sober. I won't be sober. <laughs> You're not sober right now, thinking about it. <laughs> no, I've become inebriated thinking about it. It'd be nice to do pizza and and beer for that one. We should do a special. Every once in a while, we should do a special cast like that. That'd be fun. <laughs> the Halo show does Yeah, that. the Halo show is good. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Let yeah. me hear another shot of Halo show. Well, that has been Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore. Now in theaters. Please go see it. Yeah. Give it your money. Check it out. Check a look. You may or may not like it, but you, at least you'll have seen it. By the time this episode comes out, though, it'll probably be out of theaters. No, maybe. I feel like this one will run for a bit. We're really behind. If Warner Brothers doesn't have legs, then who I, does? I wanted to say, I did hear it's making a lot of money overseas. Yes. So I feel like there is a good chance for a sequel if... if East Asia loves VFX. <laughs> if Warner Brothers cares about money like it's already made like 150 million overseas which yeah. is almost all of its money back has harry potter always done well like in china and I, india i i don't know i couldn't answer that because that's where the money is i was gonna say with dumbledore being gay i'd be curious to know what china has done to change the they film. edited out the scenes there's a couple lines where he says i was in love with him or i loved you oh really they took those lines out do we ever see a like a no. God damn it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if we Can had we Jude if we had Jude, Jude Law Mackin on 
Mads Mickelson, we would sell twice the tickets. A Mads Mac. A Mads Mac. Mads Mackelson. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity, JK. What happened? <laughs> you she wrote the fucking movie. She probably wrote it and then and then uh, they're forced to take no. it out, yeah. Well, maybe it just wouldn't I bet in JK's mind, she's like, I got you guys. I got you. Anyway, any closing remarks, Stephen? Bring us home. I feel like a hypocrite. After criticizing Dominion? Yeah, and then <laughs> and then talking about how critics are stupid. No, it's. I think it just makes... Uh, but I really do think that things that are self-evidently semi-intelligent like this should be self-evident, but like... What is self-evident, though? We've proved how do you these prove things to be self-evident. Objectively, objective truth. What is that anymore? You know, <laughs> it is, I don't. I don't know. Nothing matters like that. But but I really, and then I do think that like the self evidence of intelligence is really lacking in the Jurassic World uh, trailers and all. Like the last movie was an abomination. You know, of all your hot takes, I don't think that's one of them. I think most people know that those movies are not as good as you know. Spoop. Maybe maybe I feel that way about the Jurassic Park movies because I am personally more critical with those films but why because they mean so much to me no no harry potter means a lot to me too so but i but it's i don't know i really don't know what it is i don't know one day maybe we'll know (laughs) but until then (laughs) this has been the cult popcast and will be again we're steven and gabe have a great day san diego 